All right, guys. Well, again, we're in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 24 tonight. Laws on marriage, remarriage, and divorce. That's what we're talking about. Only the first four verses, actually. And again, our family's been sick, been over a week. It's just been really rough. Essentially, we've lived on the couch or on the bed with an array of medicines strewn all over the counter. Um, and essentially, I've spent our uh, daughter's college tuition on Costco Kleenex uh, this last week. It's insane. I'm pretty sure we, I counted, we go through about eight to ten, no joke, eight to ten boxes a day. So that's how bad it was. Uh, but we've, been, we've gone outside to take out the trash, get the mail, and that's the, really the extent of it. But we're holed up at home, resting, struggling, praying, recovering, all of those things. But yesterday was the first time I went outside and actually drove to the church in a week, and I was smiling foolishly the whole time I was, I was headed here. I was so happy to be outside of the house, right, to actually breathe some non-synthetic air. To, I felt free. Like, I came here to clean, again, and to study, uh, you know, and so uh, for tonight, and so I was just elated. Freedom. Freedom is an amazing thing, right? And as we continue in Deuteronomy, the Lord is leading, remember, the children of Israel to what? To freedom. First generation, they failed because of fear and unbelief in God's promises, but the second generation, Moses, was preparing to enter Canaan. They, they were holed up in Egypt, trapped, worked by taskmasters. Then the Lord used Moses to free the people, judged Pharaoh, right, freeing the Israelites. First generation died out except Joshua and Caleb and Moses. The only two were not afraid. Um, and so the second generation, they would lay claim to the land that God had promised them. Freedom. Freedom is worth fighting for. And Joshua would take up the mantle of leadership. Obviously, after Deuteronomy, we're going to go through Joshua and see the battles and see what God does through him and through the people. But um, he would fight to claim the promises of God. It reminds me of, uh, I recently, you know, I've, I watched a lot of documentaries, especially this last week, and uh, I read the Bible a lot, too. I'm just saying, I like, I like history, historical stuff, too. But George Washington, reminds me of George Washington at Valley Forge in 1977, or I'm sorry, 1777, and a couple centuries off. But uh, so it was winter at Valley Forge, and the soldiers were starving. They were freezing. And ill-prepared for the harsh winter weather there in, in Philadelphia. And Washington kept writing Congress to get some help with food and clothing, and they gave him the cold shoulder, which you think, like, Congress, they, like, they're so good, right? No, I'm kidding. No, but one, one thing about Washington, though, was that he took on many burdens. I was talking to a friend about this. Took on many burdens that he and his soldiers were facing, but he did not tell them all the burdens that they were facing. Like, instead, he gave encouraging words to lift them up and, and motivate them to persevere under the circumstances. And one of the tactics to keep his men civil and not to revolt was to bring unity to the men by focusing on what beating the British would lead to, freedom from tyranny. And so freedom for, you know, for their families, for their kids, for their grandchildren, freedom, it's an amazing motivation to move forward in what the Lord has for us. Like the children of Israel, they were already free, but now they would enter into the promise of God. We're free in Christ, and what a motivation to surrender our very lives to him. So before all this was to take place, remember, remember Moses was retelling the law to the Israelites. That's what Deuteronomy means, retelling of the law, so that they'd be well-informed on how to deal with the spiritual and the civil and the practical issues that they would face in Canaan. And thank the Lord, he makes things clear for us. 
And he prepares us before we enter into a new season or a new stage in our walk with him. You know, heart preparation is totally necessary because we take a step of faith forward and then God is faithful to guide us in that way. If we don't take a step forward, if we don't, like the priest, put step foot in the Jordan, put our foot in the water, then it's not going to recede. It's going to stay there. We've got to take those steps of faith. God meets us right where we're at. This last Thanksgiving, we were at my in-law's house in Vegas, and one day, we, we were all at a park, and there was a skateboarder um, trying a board slide. I don't know if your board slide is, but it was, there was a rail by the playground, and it was a long rail. He had his like iPhone set up, and, and he kept trying the board slide over and over and over again. He was like sweating bullets, and we were there for about three hours, and the whole time he was trying the same trick over and over and over and over again. And he was good because he landed a lot of them. But even when he landed, he's like, okay, I got it. He landed it, and he tried again, and he didn't land it, didn't land it, didn't land it, and tried it again and landed it. But he did this the whole time. And so I respected that because he had some perseverance. He didn't give up. He wanted to perfect this certain skateboarding trick. And that's the thing. As we walk by faith and keep moving forward, God will equip us. He will give us the strength and all we need to persevere. But we have to take action. Can't just sit around and hope he does a work. He works when we're moving forward. So here we have some laws and regulations that are given to the children of Israel in regards to marriage. So let's, again, let's pray, and then we'll get into these verses tonight. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for this time to gather together. We just pray, Lord, that you'd speak to us, that you'd, the Old Testament was given to us for our admonition, as Romans says, and so we pray, Lord, that you would admonish us, encourage us, exhort us, teach us, Lord, remind us. In Jesus' name, amen. So Deuteronomy 24, verse 1, says, when a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because she has found some uncleanness in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house, when she has departed from his house and goes and becomes another man's wife, if the latter husband detests her and writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it under her hand and sends her out of the house, or if the latter husband dies who took her as the wife, then her former husband who divorced her must not take her back to, her, uh, to be his wife after she has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not bring sin in the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So verse 1, so according to those laws, divorce was allowed in Israel, but it was very regulated. Like there had to be a valid reasons or reasons in order for divorce to happen. There must be a cause for divorce. One could not just divorce because they wanted out of marriage, right, for no good reason at all which has been the case through generations, unfortunately, marriage has become like courting or dating in that people get married for a while, they get frustrated, they give up, they stop trying to pursue their spouse, they quit working at their marriage, and so they divorce. And then they get remarried, and the cycle happens all over again. Well, there's no reverence for marriage anymore. You know, the word divorce in Hebrew means a hewing off or a cutting apart. It means amputation of that which is one flesh. An amputation is unnatural. It's painful, right? Yet in some cases, amputation is for the better. You know, I have a Christian friend who his dad is about 50 years old, uh, and he's been struggling with this illness, horrible circulation, 
And it was about a month or two ago, he had told me his dad got his leg amputated. I was like, oh, no. He's like, no, 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 it's okay, because when he got his leg amputated, he's like, the pain was completely gone. He said it was so much better. He was actually, it was relief. Now, divorce should never be a first resort, nor should it be an action where the two just decide to cut each other off because it's not working, right? Marriage was intended to be lifelong, yet we'll see with these regulations what they entail. So the command was that any divorce must be sealed with a certificate. So a spouse couldn't just verbally say, I am divorcing you, and walk away, right? He can't do that. Like in World War II era in England, if you wanted a divorce, you actually had to write a formal statement that what basically the reason for the divorce that you're getting. So it had to be justified reason according to the government. If the government's like, ah, it's not justified, you can't get divorced, then they wouldn't let you. So back in this time, the divorce had to be recognized legally just as marriage had been, a legal document had to be issued. Now, there were two, cl- uh, two clauses where divorce was allowed. Number one, unfaithfulness or adultery. Number two, abandonment. So let's look at the first one. It says, some uncleanness in her. That's what it says. You know, back in this time, one school of rabbis taught that if your wife didn't fix your eggs properly, then that's uncleanness, right? Like, not enough salt, uncleanness. Not cooked the way I like it, a little bit burnt, uncleanness. Like, so you could basically give her a writing of divorcement for anything, essentially. And back in these days, divorcing was easy because literally all one had to do was like essentially write, I divorce you, and you, you hand it to your wife, and the divorce was recognized. And now Jesus, look in the New Testament, he was challenged on this very issue, and really the challenge was what constitutes uncleanness? And the religious leaders, they came to Jesus one day with a, with a trap question. They had a lot of trap questions, and it was a definite trap question. They said to Jesus, can a man put away his wife for any cause, basically any reason? Now, here in the Mosaic Law, if he found an uncleanness in his wife, he can give her a bill of divorcement. Now, they knew that Jesus was teaching a more strict code, so they, they came to him with this trick question, can a man put away his wife for any reason? Jesus said, If a man puts away his wife and marries another, except it be for fornication, he causes her to commit adultery, and he who marries her commits adultery. And so it's almost like, aha, he's fallen right into our trap. That's just what the religious leaders were hoping that Jesus would say, would answer. So they came right back to Jesus, and they asked, well, how is it then that Moses said, let them give her a writing a bill of divorcement? They figured they had trapped him. They got him. We've got you now because it is acknowledged that God gave the law to Moses. No challenge, no question about that. It was a well-established fact that the law came by God to Moses. So Jesus is now in conflict with what God declared, according to the religious leaders. For God said, you know, God said unto Moses, let him give her a writing of bill of divorcement. And the law of divorce was established by God through Moses, and it's in their law. And for Jesus to come down in such a strict way, you know, um, puts him now at a variance against God, exactly what they were hoping that he would do. But Jesus went on to say, I love this, in the beginning, it was not so. Now, the law was added later on. The law came years later. In the beginning, God now goes back to Adam and Eve. Jesus now goes back to God's perfect initial plan for family relationships for a husband and a wife 
relationship. It was originally God's divine intent that you have a once for a life, you know, for life marriage relationship. Genesis 2.24, in the beginning, God made them male and female. For this cause, a man shall leave his mother and father and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Therefore, later, later on it says, therefore, that which God has joined together, let no man separate. And that is God's divine ideal for, uh, for every couple. But Jesus said, because of the hardness of your hearts, Moses said, let him give her a writing of a bill of divorcement. Now, Jesus is not going back to the law. He's going back to before the law. He's going back to God's divine intent for man for husband and wife relationships. Yet, because man's heart is hard and he cannot come up to God's divine ordinance and will, God then, under the law, gave the law of divorce that a man who found an uncleanness in his wife could put her away. Now, let me just preface this with, with let me say this. Now, I believe that some marriages are a mistake from the beginning. Just because two people are married, it doesn't mean it is ordained by God. It could be that the couple didn't pray and get clear confirmation that they should be together. I'll I'll never forget one time when I counseled this couple in this one session. I think I told you guys this a couple times in the past, but they were engaged, and the woman was a Christian. She came to all of our prayer meetings. She was a total Christian, and the, the one she was engaged to, he was an atheist, and so they wanted marriage counseling. And so I'll meet with you once. I was thinking I'll meet with you once, but I was like, sure, come on in. Um, and these two should not get married. And I told them, I told them I, for premarital counseling, we will go through a lot of scriptures, pretty much all scriptures, since marriage is instituted by God, like we're, we're, go, we're going to go through this. So the atheist then asked me if he, you know, in the counseling, he's in this first counseling session, he's like, that's, that's great and everything, but can we not do, like, I'll do the counseling stuff, but can we not do any of the God stuff? Like, can we leave that out? And I said, absolutely not, right? Of course not. The God stuff is the only important stuff. Needless to say, that was the one and only time I met with them because I told them I'm not going to marry them being unequally yoked, right? And I asked him if he wanted to get saved, and he didn't. So, uh, so they left. But they ended up going somewhere else and getting married anyway. But the, wo- the woman was missionary marrying. <laughs> it's not good. But some marriages are a mistake from the beginning. They should have never been. Young people so often getting married, you know, think about it, have a totally wrong, not all of them, but a lot of them have a totally wrong conception of marriage. They think, well, I'm tired of living at home. I don't want to take orders from my parents anymore. I'm going to escape. I'm going to get married, right? It's like, I want my freedom, you know. uh, So many times young people do not use good sense or judgment in their choice of a marriage partner. Because he, he was good looking, he was a quarterback of the football team, right, a wrestling team. I don't know, he played first string or whatever, I don't know. But I'm in love, you know, I'm in love. But the guy is a mean and rough at home as he is on the field. And so he's not even a Christian. He has no love, no care, no tenderness. The marriage was a mistake from the beginning. He used his wife as a punching bag. He gets rid of all his aggressions on her. And the poor thing is beat up and terrified. Now, God doesn't say, I mean, imagine if God said this. He doesn't say, well, young lady, you made a mistake, so you, gotta, you, know, you made your bed, you got to live in it, right? You, you're just going to have to settle down with the fact that you're going to be a punching bag and live the rest of your life in terror of this horrible, abusive person who beats you and verbally abuses you. Now, what kind of God 
would require that. That's not the God of the Bible. I don't believe that God requires that. I don't believe that God ever intended that marriage to be a terrorized paranoia where you live in constant fear. I don't think that was God's intention for marriage ever. In fact, God said to the husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church and gave himself for her. There are some people whose hearts are hardened against God's uh, divine ideal, whose hearts are hardened against God. That, you know, thus, they, they make very poor marriage partners. And God, knowing that people cannot achieve, that, that is all people cannot achieve, his divine ideal, then create an alternate out by the law of divorcement that he gave to Moses. But no, that isn't God's best for a person's life. The best first ideal that God gave to a person is, the, is marriage for life. Now, those who have made mistakes or can't, you know, can't live with that, God has developed, again, the alter, alternate or, or given her a writing bill of divorcement. So we've all made serious decisions without the Lord, right? And we all know the results. Disaster. <laughs> it's never good to make serious decisions without consulting God to make sure that's the decision we should make. You know, good thing God, God has mercy and grace for those times and moments we screw up. Am I calling you a screw up? Yes. <laughs> I'm a screw up too. We're in this together, okay? And, and if we don't have that outlook, well, there may be pride residing there, right? We all mess up. We all miss the mark. Now, this discovery would come early. Like, if, if he marries her... If he marries her and finds uncleanness in her, in other words, just as soon as you're married, you realize, hey, this was a mistake, then, then you're allowed to put her away with a bill of divorcement. So sexual sin and uncleanness was one reason for divorce. Sexual relations with anyone, not your spouse. And for this, a husband could give his wife a certificate of divorce, but was, was not obligated to. I always remember this one couple I did premarital counseling for, uh, no, I didn't do, no, I just did marriage counseling for um, years ago, and uh, the husband cheated on the wife multiple times, and they both came in and wanted to talk about it. I was, of course, I'll meet with you, you know, and so I gave them Bible verses and talked about God's grace, just gave them the truth, and I was trying to find out where they were at, and she was like, no, I want to work it out. I want to get restored, and so what he did was repented. It was awesome, because he totally repented. He said, I'm, I'm an Idiot, all this stuff, you know, and just, he just like was broken and, and messed up. And she's like, I want to work this out. Like, are you willing? He was totally willing. And they, they, they went on to, for years, be all good, you know. And so there's that possibility, you know, that is actually possible. But because the Lord knows there's hardness in our hearts, he grants permission for divorce. Now, if a wife's heart wasn't hard, she wouldn't cheat. If a husband's heart wasn't hard, he would be quick to forgive. That's the thing. Marriage takes, if you're married in here, you probably know this, marriage takes a lot of work, right? It's not, you know, it's, it's about commitment through good times. That's the easy part. Like, oh, yeah, good. this is great. Everything's wonderful. But then that, the bad times, the difficult times, the stressful times, the times of anxiety, the times where everything's unsure, the times where you don't know how you're going to pay your bills, the times where you're, you, you don't know what's up or down. It's like those are the times you have to realize it's about commitment. Agape love is about commitment, love in action. But our hearts being calloused and complacent, often God granted the certificate. So God permits divorce but does not command divorce. So, so if anyone has biblical grounds for divorce, which according to 1 Corinthians 7.15 includes abandonment by an unbelieving spouse, they have permission to divorce and God does not hold it against them. 
unless he has specifically told them to not divorce and they're disobeying his specific word to their lives. What is said here, too, means that a husband or a wife could write a certificate of divorce. It wasn't only husbands who could divorce their wives. Divorce was to be done before witnesses and written down. Again, God has an ideal that both man and woman seek the Lord for clarity if the Lord wants them to marry. If so, they should get married. If not, they should not. I mean, it's, it's really that simple. If God is not involved in the marriage, it's not good. So for Brianna and I, you know, the Lord confirmed us being together through scriptures clearly for a couple of years, for a couple of years. Um, I mean, obviously, I knew she wanted me, but no, <laughs> I'm kidding. Okay, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just saying, no, but it's really like the, the second we would get close and it was like, yes, like the next day she's like, I don't know about this. We shouldn't talk. And it was like back and forth, but we weighed things out. We prayed together. We sought the scriptures separately and together. We wanted to make sure because it's a big commitment. And so we sought the Lord to make sure it was the right move. Now, we've been married for 18 years, and she's the only one I ever want. But what happens when we don't seek the Lord for a big decision? Again, disaster happens. The disaster happens. Last year, had an issue with our, our smoke alarms. They, uh, at like 1.30 a.m., all of them just went off. And so I was like, what in the world? I took one off, you know, and they still kept going off. So I had to go all throughout the house and take all of them off, right? And it was like, I, I kept, uh, maybe Rich, you can come look at it, but I can't, Rich fixes everything. Um, <clears throat> but I took it off, and then I tried to put it back the next day. Same thing. It was just, the alarm just went off, and it was like disaster, but there was no disaster. But, but we must seek the Lord and then listen and pay attention to what he answers, or disaster will happen. We want to make sure and get confirmation from the Lord, and especially in marriage. You can't just be like, you know what, this is what I'm doing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move across the country. I'm going to plant a church, and you're coming with me, woman. That's, that wouldn't work. Like, our marriage wouldn't last long, right? I'm, that's why when I scouted out Mobile, I made sure I got confirmation, got confirmation the third day, and then I flew her out here. Uh, our, you know, me and my senior pastor, our wives, came out here to make sure she gets confirmation because if she says, I don't have confirmation, then I'm like, we ain't going, right? We have to be in this together. And so that's how decisions, I believe, should be made within marriage. You should talk about it and, and agree upon it. Uh, it reminds me, last month, me and my daughters were at a store shopping, and Hannah is talking to me, and she sometimes talks with her hands, right? She's like, and kind of like my wife, she talks with her hands. And uh, so I had an iced coffee in the cart, like right here, without a lid. And, uh, and she was like, Dad, so what do I want to do? And she picked up the coffee, and she's like, I just kind of want to, and she just like, whoosh, threw it up. And it was like, and it flew everywhere. And I was like, what are you doing? It like got on her. It got all over the floor. I was like, oh, my goodness, Hannah, girl, what is going, what are you doing? But she was talking. She wasn't thinking. Disaster happened. But there was a piece of cardboard, so I put it over the coffee, and we walked away. Sorry. Uh, I admitted that. Um, it was a huge mess, though. It was a huge mess. But, but sometimes we, we run into trouble because we're not paying attention to the Lord's leading. Rather, we're striving, attempting to do it all ourselves. We have to be aware. We have to pay attention. I love Proverbs 16.9. It says, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. See, we can plan all day, every day. But if the Lord is not directing our steps every step of the way, then it will be lost. You know, no one loves to be lost. Proverbs 20, 24 says, a man's steps are of the Lord. How then can a man understand his own way? I love that because we often don't even understand our own hearts, our own ways. 
the reason for why we do things or say things. Yet the Lord does. And I think that's the great comfort. God understands you. He knows you. He knows everything about you. He knows you better than your spouse knows you. He knows you better than yourself. He directs our steps. He gets us to where he wants us. And uh, you know me. I like weird facts and different things in history. But have you ever heard of This is a real thing. There's such thing, it's called a tickle torture. And I'm not talking with your kids. This literally is a legitimate uh, type of torture. No joke. Like, this is, it's a valid form of torture that people use. It required the victim, I'm just going to descriptive a little bit, but it required the victim to be tied to the floor. The victim's feet were dipped in salt water, and a goat was brought into the room. No joke. Goat was brought into the room. The goat would constantly lick the feet of the victim until all the salt was off. And then they would do the same, repeat it over and over and over again. And, I mean, I would die. My feet are, like, so ticklish. It would, like, I, I, that's why I'm, like, girls, don't tickle my feet. I'm going to kick you in the face. And I don't want to. Like, I can't control it. But, listen, the constant licking caused the victim to laugh so much that they would vomit, they would lose bladder control, and they would often lose consciousness. See? <laughs> and so, <laughs> this is how I connect this. Our Lord... <laughs> Our Lord, I just wanted to share it really bad. Our Lord doesn't force us to do anything, right? He, he doesn't tickle torture us, right? He leads us, right? We, he, we seek him and he leads us. He directs our steps as we walk by faith. Don't try this at home either. This is real torture. Don't try this with your kids or your spouse. It will be bad. But he brings clarity as we call upon him, right? He opens doors as we take small steps of faith on a daily basis, so that's verse 1, and verse 2 to 4, I'm going to kind of abridge this part. Uh, this law said that if a woman divorced her husband and gets remarried, she could not go back to the first husband. Her first husband, in a sense, would be considered dead to her. And so in other words, she was as free to marry again as if the first husband has been naturally dead. God wanted both marriage and divorce to be serious, permanent things. And again, in society, marriage is likened to dating. It's not taken seriously. There's no reverence for it anymore. Anymore. People are together for years, live together, sleep, <clears throat> sleep together, <clears throat> yet never get married. <clears throat> Excuse me. And if they do, it's almost like, no big deal, divorce someone, marry someone else, who cares? <laughs> Leave the person, find another, move on, they're toxic, whatever. Marriage was never designed to be taken lightly. You know, it's a serious commitment, as we know, and it should be entered into seriously and soberly. And this is why I've done countless premarital counseling for couples over the years because I want to make sure that everything is laid out in the open on the surface before officiating the wedding. And sometimes a couple realizes this was not God leading them. It was their emotions. It was romance. It was feelings. Sometimes a couple realizes they're unequally yoked, and so they should not get married. I've, you know, I've never forget when, I'll end it with this and we'll have a discussion. I'll never forget when Brianne and I went to premarital counseling with my pastor, and Brianne said her dream, I didn't know this, was to be a stay-at-home mom. And when I heard that, I was like, what? You don't want to work? <laughs> that's, that's what I thought, because I didn't even know. I'm like, you want to be a stay-at-home mom? So we had to work through those things. We had, we, we had to talk through those things. I thought we were going to both work and make money. What's going on? And, of course, we married. Six years later, we had kids. I was a full-time pastor at my last church for years, and Brandon was a stay-at-home mom, and it's so amazing. My wife raising my kids instead of a stranger. I loved it. Uh, but anyway, whatever we do, we must seek God about it to make sure we're in the midst of his will, not our own. Amen? 